Hi, I'm Greg Scan, one of the founders of Smile, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp, and I uh, am blessed because we're joined by a CEO who's currently in San Francisco. So it's where all the action is happening and in, in the heart of uh, the app world, basically. Uh, so let me introduce uh, Neha Sampat, who is the CEO of Built.io. So I want you to just stop the podcast right now. It's a lot easier if you follow along by checking this website out. Very easy, Built.io. And this is a backend for your app, so it helps you connect your app uh, to their servers, uh, the built.io servers, and then you can do a lot of stuff like uh, use it as a data store and upload files and, and push notifications, which is always a bit of a pain anyway. So uh, I think it's going to be great. We're going to learn about her journey. So thank you very much, uh, Neha, for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Great. Well, f- firstly, you're helping uh, app developers out immensely because you've made it a lot easier to do a lot of this stuff. Perhaps you could just start by explaining about Built.io. What does it do for us? Sure. Yes. So um, we have been in business since 2007, and we um, kind of were at the beginning of when people were trying to figure out what cloud computing was. And I think some people are still figuring that out. But what that did for us is it helped us understand how to build mobile and web applications in the cloud really quickly. And um, what that means is every time that you want to build a mobile application, there's certain things that you have to do. You have to set up the infrastructure, which is now essentially the cloud. You have to set up a database. You have to set up a system for managing notifications or managing any other integrations that you have. And all of these things tend to be repetitive. Every time you do it, you have to do it all over again, retest it, make sure that everything's functioning. And that's called the back end. And what we're doing is we're fast forwarding past that process and letting you just subscribe to a back end that already works. So you can focus on what's unique and interesting about your own app and your own app idea. Um, that's essentially what we offer as a service. Well, this is wonderful because we do have listeners who are, are uh, just getting started with building apps and it can be quite formidable when you're up against you know the learning curve and I know I've built apps which have uh, been locally kind of stored the databases of a local uh, to the, uh, the the phone and of course it just means that you know you, you can't have too much user interaction and uh, and anytime you want to update you know certain things it's just a real pain so it, it, it's a better thing to do is it to have uh, everything in the cloud in the back end Absolutely. What that does is it gives you a, a competitive edge and it also gives you sort of a head start when, you, when you're trying to build an app. And I say the, a competitive edge because you, know, you're, you essentially don't have to worry about a big chunk of what is keeping your app running and allows your app to scale. So if you're trying to build something, you're not sure if the idea is going to take off or not, you don't really have to worry about it. You can build it, test out what, you know, work with your, your customers, test out um, whether or not your users like it. If it takes off, then it's ready to scale and you don't actually have to do anything. The cloud will do it for you. And so having a backend as a service enables all of that to, to happen in advance of even having to, 
to deal with the nightmare of, oh my gosh, I actually have a successful app. Now what do I do? <laughs> yeah, Neha, I would say that uh, almost everybody listening to this, you know, when we are launching apps, we have no idea because we don't have the multi-million pound budgets that, you know, some of the big publishers have. And, you know, that's the only thing that can guarantee success nowadays. It is a bit of a, a casino where you roll the dice. Have you got any interesting stories we can keep it very private if you want don't want to mention any names but it would be nice to know uh, an app that you've worked with uh, and the sort of numbers uh, uh, when it does take off what was that like yeah it can give you um, a really interesting use case and um you know we 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 work with consumers but we also work with um, various startups and even large enterprises and um, a use case that we recently came across was a large conference app running on top of our platform and the conference app essentially was the, you know, the, essentially the, the brochure for the conference. You know, what's the agenda? Where, what's my schedule? Um, what do I go to? What event do I attend next? And um, the company that we worked with on that had over 25,000 people attending this conference. And um, so you can imagine when you have a concentration of that many people using the device and, and the app at the exact same time, you see a lot of people on the system, and um, typically you might be worried about performance. But what we learned is that even with 20,000 concurrent people pulling up the app and clicking around on it at the same time and making quote-unquote calls to the back end, essentially just pulling and pushing data from the servers on the back end, it had no performance implication. And that's because there's the ability for the cloud system, the database on the back end, to scale. And the database recognizes, oh, wow, there's a lot of people trying to access me. Let me make more resources available. And that's the magic that happens behind the scenes that you actually don't want to know is happening. You just want to know that it works. And that's, that's, that was one of the most interesting use cases we've seen recently. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of the listeners who are currently building apps. And what, what that basically means in, in my language is that if you're going to try and do all this stuff yourself, you know, you could end up with a situation where your own servers don't cope with the bandwidth and the calls and the, uh, you know, the back and forth, and it basically breaks the app. Uh, and so by plugging in uh, to uh, your, what you're doing at built.io, then that just means it gives us that security to uh, you know, make sure that we can manage the growth if, if we do have those uh, big upturns in downloads and activity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if, if you have a cool idea and you, you know, you think there's going to be 20 people using it, but you found out, find out that you just invented Snapchat. Well, you want to make sure that people that come to use your application don't get turned away and turned off because of performance. And it's really important to have a solid backend to, to um, you know, uh, address that. We should really talk about privacy as well, because it goes hand in hand with the cloud and uh, wondering how you uh, accommodate, you know, the, the issues of privacy uh, is uh, you know can we talk about that for a little bit because I guess a lot of uh, app developers are, are worried you know we're putting so much more sensitive information now on uh, our phones you know iPhone had recently the announcement and they were talking about medical research now and uh, you know taking our um, heart rate and uh, all these different things which I know a lot of companies would be you know loving to kind of get on and and try and uh, get our data well, how do you deal with privacy and data? Yeah, so a, a lot of that is is managed by the cloud, the backend infrastructure. So your your database, you have to secure your database, and so we do the work that's required to do that. We also work with companies that want to have a dedicated 
instance of this backend on their system. What that means is if you're company X and you don't want to be on the, the software as a service version, you don't want to do it as a subscription, you can take the entire backend stack and put it on a cloud account that you own and manage completely by, your, by yourself. And if you do that, you can even plug into your own customer database and for you know, large companies, even their, their sales force or you know, whatever private data they have, and they can build secure connections for that. So there's lots of ways to, to manage privacy. It really just depends on, on your specific needs. And, um, and there's various tools and technologies that allow you to do that. So Neha, we have a lot of the people listening who uh, are you know, very excited about potentially you know, leaving a kind of corporate job and going to work in a startup. Now you're rather unusual because you've been going around s- since 2007. So you're very, you have a very long history actually in the, in this world. And uh, I just wondered what it's like uh, in terms of working for your company. Uh, can you give us a sense of what a typical day is like for you? Because I, I think it would be quite inspirational to hear uh, what it can be like to, to work uh, f- for, you know, the, your company. Sure, absolutely. And I can actually, just to um, backtrack on, on the idea of leaving, I actually started the company in 2007, but then I took a corporate job and I did that so I could fund the company. We haven't taken any, any outside funding. And so while my co-founder and I started the company, um, he kind of got it running, got it going to a point where I could actually leave my corporate job and, and rejoin as the CEO of the company. And so that was a journey in and of itself. And and uh, I worked uh, my fair share of nights and weekends over the course of a few years to, to get to the point where I could um, follow my dream of, of leaving and joining full time. But um, that said, I've, I've been the CEO now for two and a half years. And, um, and all I can say about a day in the life of, of the company is it's never the same. Uh, we're, we're not essentially a, a small startup. We're about 100 and 160 people worldwide. So we're kind of a small company, but every day still feels very much like a startup. And, and I would never want to have it any other way. It's, um, it's, it's exciting. It's interesting. You're constantly learning. You're constantly, um, brought up to various barriers (laughs) and various challenges. (laughs) And, uh, and it, it, it's just never boring. And, And, you know, I like to live by the mantra, never be boring. So I, as frustrating as things can get, you also have these high highs and the high highs are, are remarkably exciting and, and, and fun. And then, the, then you hit the low lows and those are challenging, but you always learn from them. So it's, it's kind of this constant, um, you know, up and down and, uh, and camaraderie with, with the people that we get to work with on, on a regular basis. And um, for, for members of my team, I think they feel a lot of that as well. They're on the roller coaster with us and, um, and they get to spend time with customers that are really happy about what we're building. And I think that gives everyone um, a sense of significance and, and a sense of pride in, in um, you know, delivering something of value to the community. So, so let's get this right then. You, you actually started a company, uh, you know, with some people in, in 2007, but you, you, you were working at the time to fund uh, the the part-time project basically where you're working nights and weekends and this is a great idea for anyone who doesn't want to take that risk of going all in because they've got maybe a family to feed or you know they they, they don't want to give away too much equity uh, in their own company so they they want to avoid uh, getting funding uh, and and then you did that and then two and a half years ago you left your corporate job to, to actually do this full time and you, you've now grown this to 150 people that's right that's right that's amazing 
Thank you. Yeah, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to believe, and and you know, if you have the right team, and I'm I'm very lucky because my my two um, co-executives are and my co-founder, they're my best friends, and you know, we we have a lot of trust in each other, and I get to work with my best friends, and we learn from each other constantly. And without them, that would never have been a possibility. But we decided that one of us was going to quit the full-time job while the others kind of carried um, the weight of the the financing for a while, and um, we all came together when it was the right time, and. And now, um, you know, we feel a little bit unstoppable. It's kind of fun. Yeah. And in terms of uh, all the people working for you, I'm guessing a lot uh, are remote working. Uh, you're based in San Francisco, which I know is like the heart of uh, where it's all happening. And I can't imagine like you've got 160 people in an office there. Is it, is it kind of spread out across the globe? Yes, it is. So we have 12 people in the San Francisco office, which is located literally two blocks away from the Twitter office and a block away from the Uber office. So we're right in the, in the heart of the Silicon Valley um, action, which is a lot of fun. Um, but my, my engineering team is all remote. I have 150 engineers in, um, in Mumbai, India, in a, um, a really beautiful uh, location that's about 40 miles east of the main city. And um, we've created a campus there and a, and a, um, a really great family and, and culture um, at the engineering campus as well. Right. And uh, anyone who wants to try to uh, get into remote working, I mean, is there, are there certain tools and resources that you use internally to uh, facilitate the whole remote working? Because I, I guess that there is an opportunity for anyone who can't actually go physically to San Francisco, for example, uh, but they can, you know, join a startup and, and work remotely. Uh, but but uh, do you have any guidance for those people who are wanting to do that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think distributed um, work environments is becoming the norm in a lot of ways. And, and I can't imagine um, that not continuing to be the, the trend, especially with, you know, the, the global lines sort of um, diminishing. Um, the tools that we use, I mean, we're, again, we're sort of a 24-hour operation because the, the time difference allows for that. And um, we we basically have um, you know set calls that happen nighttime San Francisco time so we can reconnect with the with the team in India um, and the two leadership teams are usually in sync. We use Skype, we use Google Hangouts, we um, we use various chat tools. What we've gone through the cycles of WhatsApp and Telegram and um, currently standardized on Google. So um, there is so there's so much um, available to make it easier than ever before to be able to feel connected, even if you're not physically in the same room. Um, definitely encourage that. Yeah, I do think that the resources that we have, even if you're a solopreneur working independently, or you are like yourself, a, a big company with 150 people, then you know, in the end of the day, the resources we have is just amazing. I, I work for a very large financial corporation who had big budgets, you know, for technology, 50 million plus sometimes. And uh, I just think that I have actually more more access to better software now, uh, just with the likes of uh, all, the, all the, the stuff that we have available to us. So it definitely makes for, you know, a very pleasant environment working remotely. Uh, so Neha, I was wondering, we have two things before we say goodbye to you, two things to cover. One is that I would love to know uh, how we can solve some of your pain points because when we look at pain points we c can flesh out ideas for potentially new uh, operations new apps new uh, services so i'm wondering if you could think about your last few months and 
uh, and tell us about perhaps a frustration or a pain point that you think exists and, and we can have a, a good go at fleshing out an, an idea for solving that. Uh, very interesting. I think um, one of the pain points is, um, let's see, find a good one for you. Yeah, from all your list of uh, <laughs> daily frustrations, as you say, it's a roller coaster up and down. There's like lots of things. And you know, one thing that um, that has always been a pain point for us, especially as a small company, and and even in the stage that we're at today, is um, is legal legal just being really confusing. Legal requirements, legal um, paperwork. Um, we we've as a team sort of subscribe to this concept of kiss legal, you know, keep it simple. And, um, and I feel like there isn't really a centralized resource for, um, handling legal things and it becomes very expensive and it, it's, it's unnecessarily so. Um, so that, that's an area I think where, um, entrepreneurs should consider, um, you know, figuring out if there's some standard standardization that could happen to help smaller companies get past legal hurdles. That's a big one. Yeah, I would encourage anyone who's interested in that and wants to, to flesh out a little bit more. Uh, there's a previous episode I had with uh, Kifani uh, Stale, who uh, is uh, a legal representative uh, running a law firm dedicated to creative entrepreneurs. But I absolutely agree with you. I was uh, in business development and uh, we used to pretty much detest uh, any legal because they used to just be the department that say no to everything because everything is a risk. And uh uh, and it was just trying to wade through the complexity of all the different issues to try and get to a yes. And, and the more legal people you take on, uh, the, the worse it was for trying to get to a yes and be creative and find solutions and work with the, the clients on various uh, levels. So uh, it would be nice to have a central repository to make the whole thing and the whole process uh, easier and perhaps a little bit more trustworthy. Yeah, I would see a lot of value in that for sure. Well, there's a great idea. So Apps Tribe, there you go. There's your homework for today. <laughs> go and build something that uh, would help us uh, manage our legal processes a, a little bit better. So as uh, someone in San Francisco, you must have one or two apps that you could recommend to us that uh, would be uh, you know, useful to, to know about. And maybe an app or two on your phone that you think we haven't come across. It can be business, it can be pleasure, whatever you like. But do you have one or two apps you could recommend to us? Sure. Um, so there is a an app that I'm playing with right now called Quip, and um, essentially it's a, a collaborative way to share documents and um, and is uh, sort of like Google Docs, but a little bit more collaborative and and uh, really um, interesting for small companies. So I would check that out. It's Q U I P. Um, and then we talked about communications tools. Um, you know, I think people are fairly familiar with Skype and, and some others. There's another one called Viber, V-I-B-E-R, that um, our team has been using frequently. And we find that the quality is very good. And it um, especially helps when you're traveling around the world, kind of just staying in touch with your team. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will uh, put links to that on the show notes. So uh, if uh, you're scribbling that down and you're driving, just uh keep your eyes on the road and, and go to uh, when you get home the appguy.co episode 264 and look for Neha Sampat and you'll see uh, links to the things that we're talking about and uh, I, I think this has been an inspirational uh, chat with you I, I, I hope that uh, you know it's inspired somebody to <laughs> follow your path in a way uh, wondering how best we can reach out to you Neha and uh, connect 
Um, you can reach me at CEO at built.io. And um, I do read all of my emails. Sometimes it takes me a while to respond. But, um, but I, I love to hear stories about entrepreneurs that are aspiring to do big and great things. So feel free to reach out and I'll do my best to get back to you. Well, uh, I've just loved this chat. Do you feel like we covered everything? Is there anything about built.io that we missed out? Or, or do you feel that uh, we gave the listeners a good flavor of what, what you're doing there? Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think if you're if you're wanting to try out um, Built.io, we do have a free um, version available. You just go to the website, sign up for an account, and you can start building apps for iOS, Android, or even web apps using JavaScript right away. So um, give it a try, and uh, and our team is there to help you if you run into any issues. And this is what I love about this whole industry is that you know there are the basic accounts, the free accounts, and that you're offering as well, and it just really helps anyone trying to start out. But of course, if they you know have accelerated growth, then they're not too bothered about the price of the uh, service. You know when they're uh, getting thousands or millions of downloads, so it's just nice that, that the way the whole you know pricing structure is is favored towards helping startups. Absolutely, yep. Great, Neha. Thanks for joining us on the App Guy podcast. All the best for the future. Thank you so much, Paul. Thanks for having us.